Allentown, Bethlehem, Easton, and sometimes Emmaus. Welcome to the Lehigh Valley with Love Podcast. You thought we weren't back, but we're back. I am so pumped to be back. Yeah? I Honestly, and I was talking to you right before I started recording, I was, <laughs> once we got to like episode 100, it was crazy. Like, it yeah. was so much fun. There's so much going on. I was tired. I needed, uh-huh. I needed two weeks. You need How long is it? Three weeks. It does. We, hopefully it's like riding a bike, you know? We're back. We How does this work? It's not like we were good in the first place. <laughs> yeah. It's not like we really had, we had Yeah, this is, uh, we're back to square one. 101. But, so, from where we left off, which was a year ago, January 1st. A year ago. It was last year, but it wasn't a year ago. What have you done in the in the last the first twenty days? Um, what has changed so? in my life? Not a whole lot. Have you kept any resolution? I don't make resolutions. Have you done anything fun? Um, I was in Florida. That's fun. I was in Florida for some comedy shows. Uh, you took your mom? Yeah, I saw. That's cool. Yeah, she. Well, we go. She comes. This is the third year I've gone to these shows. That's fun. Like, I, yeah. I, I, no, all bullshit aside, it's kind of neat. When you're able to be like, hey, mom, I'm going to Florida to these comedy shows. You want to go? Yeah. Well, she likes to. There's this LPGA golf tournament that happens, too. And she likes to go to it. So we go. I like to go to it, too. It's a celebrity thing. So like there there's like a lot of uh, athletes there. Who's the most the biggest celebrity you saw? There, it was probably well, Larry the Cable Guy plays. Wow, this is. What well, is Florida? Yeah. So I guess oh, he's a big time deal down there. It was like the Alabama one. It'd yeah. Be, he'd be he'd be the Larry the Cable Guy Invitational. Yeah. yeah. Um, John Smoltz, Tom Glavin, cool. Greg Maddox—they're all down there. John Smoltz is really good at golf. I would. I mean, if you're a professional, any like sports, Ray Allen, who's a famous actor, he was in that one movie. Uh, Ray Allen, the basketball player. Well, he played a basketball player in the in a movie. I think he's known more for being a basketball. No, he's player. Jesus Shuttlesworth. He played Jesus Shuttlesworth in, in Love and Basketball. Or he got game. He got game. Um, locally, not in Florida. The weather is horrible. We're gonna get a weather report hopefully in a couple of minutes. Yeah. Here, but this is like the worst. I made a post on Facebook. I like obviously living in the Leah Valley. I enjoy the seasons, but right now I hate it. January like twentieth to February whatever. Right. Shouldn't exist. Uh huh. Yeah. It's the worst time of the year. We try to gussy it up with like Valentine's Day or something. Yeah, you There's know, no good ho- nothing's going on. It's awful weather. Nobody wants to be outside. Even when you're skiing. It's spring the thi- I love springtime. I can't wait for springtime. And you know what? I don't think anybody in the world, the world. hates to see winter go. I was thinking about that. If there's anybody out there that gets sad when winter no. goes, you're a fucking psycho. I enjoy winter at certain times. Yeah, like Christmas it's, and it's like, like that. That I mean, I'll blame. Uh, I'll blame our. I'll blame Tony from LVA. Yeah, it's WA. his fault. It's always his fault. But that crap weather last week. That's like here's all the snow, and then we're just gonna pour some sleet on it. You can't even do anything with it. 
What we want to do Garbage. is we want Tony. Uh, we love Tony, but we want him to Better not weather. predict so much shitty weather. Can you just like yeah? So hopefully this prediction. It, it lie to us. Just lie. Um, so, so what's going to be better for people who are turning in episode 101? Say they didn't listen to any of the first 100 episodes, yeah. and it's probably good. Yeah, so what, got some what, new what's going to... for us. Well, I think we're going to try to keep it more streamlined. We're going to tighten up the tighten, ship. Tighten the ship. There's probably... What, what, what I hope to do is offer some different options on the Patreon, there we some go. different episodes, some different content. We're about making content here. Well, we're going to begin, and I know that we said that February 13th is the debut of our show on Service Electric. 14th. Okay, February 14th. Valentine's Day. I thought it was the day before for some reason. No. Um, in, in doing that, we are going to be producing some more content. So stuff that, you know, like man on the street yeah. kind of things. We'll be out there. We'll and, be out uh, there. We also want people to, if they're interested in getting in any of those, we might be some like food challenges. Yeah, or, yeah. So if you're somebody who wants to get in on that, email us. Also, if you're listening, I- interact with us. Like, tweet at us. Say what, you know, make fun, whatever you want. Talk to us. We want to engage with you. And we only say that because we get, like, people will tell us. Like three weeks later, yeah. You should like if you want to get on the show, if you want yeah. to do any of that, or if you if, if you hear something that you like or don't like, tell us. You know, it's a good example of, and I know we're going to talk about this closer to when we bring him on, but this is a perfect kind of example of the guest that we have on for this show. Yeah, let's talk about it quick. So I'm on Facebook and I see John Lennon in an Easton baseball jersey, and I'm like, what is that all about? Right. You're going to hear the whole story. So I Google it, and it turns out there was a band from Lafayette who got signed by the like Brian Epstein, the Beatles manager, and they were big in the 60s, had a number two hit, um, and that was all from, I saw a picture on Facebook and was like, that's so yeah. weird, like, why is he wearing an Easton baseball jersey? And it came full circle. So it's Easton PA. So yes, yeah, so we have Don Daneman, one of the founding members of nice. The Circle, the band that was named by John Lennon himself. Oh, that's cool. So we're going to have him on today. And that's kind of what we're looking at doing now that we've gone through 100 episodes is really up it a little bit. Yeah. Um, That doesn't mean that every um, guest is going to be a celebrity because that's Mm. not what we want. Right, right. You know, everybody to come on. But we just want to make sure that we we do it well, people enjoy it, and we're telling fun stories. Right. That's kind of where we're at. And the humor, baby. The humor is what the people want. They want our humor. Speaking, but there's a funny story. So you go, you go. No, you did. You I've talked a lot. You intro it because right. this, the, the, this the, is one that the details are a little lost on me. This is one that's definitely I see both sides. So mm, on one of these, you're one of those. New Year's Eve at the pick nine, a side. I'm gonna pick a side at the end. A New Year's Eve, the 911 Center, and you can find this on Leah Valley Live. Search it. The 911 Center for Leah County. Um. A supervisor came in on New Year's, brought in some coquito, which Ooh. is a delicious eggnoggy type drink. Nice. And I guess ten of himself or herself, the supervisor and like nine other workers, did a shot Ooh. of coquito at midnight and then went back to work. Probably interesting uh nine one one communications that <laughs> and night. then somebody uh, Who's whistled, calling who? Somebody whistled blue and everyone was Fire, just boom. Zero tolerance. And on the one side, you're like, that's a lot of people to make, number one, unemployed, and number two, I guess there's only 40 people in that call center, and you just fired 10 of them. Yeah. So that might not be the best thing. But on the other hand, it's like, (laughs) 
It's nine one one. Yeah. You know, so well, yeah. I mean, how? What's the alcohol content of Kakito? It's zero point zero. But what if you? I mean, if it's, it shouldn't be anything. Is is the point that? But if you take, if you have a cold and you take Dayquil, there's some alcohol in that. That's a good point. Or if you take some mouthwash. I guess you're being. The point is, you're being. Those are government. I get it. I get it. You know, listen. You're talking to somebody who lied about taking the census. You could easily. Have you ever done like the double amount? Of Dayquil? Yeah. I've <laughs> like done, that, yeah. That will mess up your Also, day. you don't want to like, you don't, it's not like, you don't do Dayquil. <laughs> <laughs> if you're doing the double amount, you're kind of, you're on Dayquil. Yeah, yeah you're, it's not taking Dayquil, you're, you're on Dayquil. It's like, what a, like a juvenile high. Like, you just, people are rocking out on Dayquil. I mean, I guess it's true, you robo yeah, Robo, have you ever robo tripped? Not like, on purpose. Perp? Yeah, you've like, accidentally robo tripped? No, I mean like. I've definitely been that. I'm the type of I used to be where it's like, oh, the recommended dose. Oh, you go like, higher. If you're sick, right? Uh, take one pill every four hours. Like, yeah. well, that's for the normal person. Yeah. I'm obviously really sick. Right. So I'll take double and then it doesn't. I'm a big. I haven't had NyQuil in a while. I don't like it. I like it. You that's wake up the, the problem. next morning all messed up. Well, I also drank a lot of bourbon last night. I'm feeling <laughs> a little messed up right now. Hey, I'm back to drinking uh, light again. So yeah, yeah. You're, you're boozing again. No, I had a couple drinks during the Christmas season. Um, and yeah, and I'm, you missed it. I'm back at the Y, baby. Oh, you're running again. Yeah, I'm running. I'm still training. Uh, I'm taking your route. I have decided to run a race. I'm not going to say which one it is. Why? Because you don't want the fans to be there? No, because I'm not 100% committed yet. I'm like 90%, so I don't want to say it until yeah. I'm ready. That's about how but, committed I'm, I'm I am. I'm just to... saying, so the early part of January is always very... There's a lot you're looking forward to. Right. So I don't want to get ahead of myself and say I'm going to do mm. all this stuff, and then five months from now, everyone's right, making right, fun right. of me. So. Well... So okay, let's just yeah, back pick a side. You got to pick a side. I would pick a side of. <sighs> Don't drink at the nine one one call center. Yeah, you just can't. If you're them, if you're the boss there, you have to show like, nope. Yeah. Well, I think the only per- like I think. I, I mean, or, or I don't the think you fire the people. Then that- put them on a month, like a month suspended, no pay. I think you fire the supervisor. Right? Absolutely. He's there. Well, that person's got to go. And did that supervisor? Did it feel because they're? I wonder if they get sued because if that supervisor says, "Hey, oh, do fine. a shot," yeah, aren't you then as the employee like, well, I guess it's fine. Or if I don't do this, yeah, then they I'm can a, look bad. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a loser. And I don't know enough about Kakito? the case. Yes, well, I know enough. About Have you Kakito. had Kakito? I made it. You've made Kakito? But again, remember how I talked about putting too much Dayquil? Okay, so you put what is the, what is the alcohol content a lot. or like what is the liquor in Kakito? Hold on a is it rum? Sounds like it'd be rum. Let's get... I don't want to half-ass it here. Coconut eggnog. Uh, The drink is made of Puerto Rican rum, coconut Mm. milk, cream of coconut, and sweetened condensed milk, eggs and other spicing, like ginger, and yeah, that's how you make it different. So some people put in cinnamon. It's basically Puerto Rican eggnog. And I think it's better. Than so you regular. think people were calling nine one one, expecting to get their uh, dispatcher to be uh, not under the influence of alcohol, and they would say nine one one, what's your emergency? <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. That's not an emergency. Yeah. All right. We'll be there. Psych. <laughs> High fiving people in the room. Well, then everybody, because we posted on Leave Eleven, there's a lot of people who are saying, "Hey, it's one shot. 
or, or some people that are saying it was half a shot, which is in the article. Like some people just talk half a shot. Yeah. So did these people do? I don't necessarily think they did anything like wrong morally, because if they're just doing one shot and that's what it was, right? But you you can't like it's just a job that's so important, right? That'd be like like hey you're you're in an air you're flying and the what if you don't handle like, your alcohol? Like what if the one person there can't take a shot well? Like yeah. what if they're an alcoholic? And I don't know. It's just like what if you were on a plane and. You're you're flying and it's new like it's about to be New Year's and the pilot's like, all right, everybody, we're all drinking champagne. Would you be like, well, not not you, you're not right. Are you drinking it, pilot? Doug? I feel like a dad in this. Situation. It just sucks because like, I know. Don't, I don't want like anyone to be fired, but you can't. I don't think they should have been fired. I think, I think a, a long suspension and you don't need to just be like, hey, stop drinking at the nine one one job. That's like. <laughs> Or feel the, weird su- saying the, f- the supervisor needs to be fired. The supervisor, because but like if, you're, if him- your supervisor comes in and they're like, all right, we're all doing a shot. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Like, there's like you'd be like, I guess it's not a big deal. What if you just started My working boss, there? It was is like, ah, you could do it. You know, and if you just started working there, like this is the person that interviewed you. Like, you're going to yeah. think it's you know. And I read that the one was like a thirty-year no no 35. blemish, no blemish on the on their record. And it's, so it's, they're probably very good at dispatching. So now you're replacing that veteran with a a newbie who's like sending cops to the wrong address and shit like that. Or like I, I, I did, I did, so that would be my final thing. Would say fire the supervisor, severe penalties for the workers. Like yeah. severe, a, a month off, no pay, so that people see that you mean business. But like their families too. You don't think these people were like they have to go back to their families now? They don't have a job. They have yeah. to find it. Like, and they were just doing what their supervisor told them they could do. Like, what are you supposed to think? Brings it back, man. Like, the, I wonder who snitched. The world. You know what? I bet they know who did it. Like, just that sucks too. Like, ah, snitches. I hate this story. I hate everything. Yeah, I don't like it. But the other thing is like. I hate to say it, but who do you call the cop? Who who do you call if you're working at the nine one one center and you and see you call something? Who, what do you who do you who do you call? What do you just call the cops directly? Would you're you like, do- hey, I'm I'm at the nine one one center. Yeah. I have a nine one one. Or like, do you like tap somebody on the shoulder? Be like, hey, I, I would have called it on this, but you're you're like right there. So that's a good bit. Yeah. We're that out. <laughs> all right. Speaking of all that, and I'm assuming that Tony has the weather here. <laughs> so here's the weather from Tony. Uh, Lehigh Valley Weather Authority. Be sure to check them out online. Hey everyone, Tony here from LVWA with your exclusive five-day forecast for Lehigh Valley with Love's podcast. For today, periods of sun and clouds are expected with a high temperature of 40 degrees, going down to 23 tonight. Wednesday will feature sunny skies, a high of 38, and a nighttime low of 18. Thursday, sunny skies, a high temp of 37, and a low of 20. Friday, periods of sun and clouds, a high temperature in the upper 30s, lows in the mid-20s. Saturday, we are tracking a potential coastal storm, uh, a high temperature of 36 degrees. Now, I think this goes one of two ways. It either comes up the coast or it goes out to sea. I'm not really seeing rain as an option with this, but as of right now, I am leaning towards an out to sea solution. So, you know, as we know, it is four days out. 
Stay tuned. As always, check me out over at LVWA on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and always at LVWAweather.com. Thank you and have a wonderful week. All right, Tony. Thanks, buddy, for the weather report. Great stuff. We're excited to see if it comes to fruition. It won't. But, well, I just can't, I can't stress enough how excited I am for warmer days. It's but, like, I, I'm okay with nice weather winter days. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So. But we got a we got a little uh, uh, something different. You know, well, we I'm, haven't had one of these in a while. A call in. I'm excited to start off this with episode, you know, 101, season three. Um, it's exciting to have somebody who's not only been named like their band was named by John Lennon, but mm-hmm. he's met with the Beatles. He tells a story here about uh, conversations with um, George Harrison, how he met Brian Epstein. Um, and I'm talking about one of the founders of the band, The Circle, Don Daneman, who uh, now lives in Delaware. You know, he's older than he was back in 1963, but he was nice enough to call in. Mm-hmm. So it is a little bit different. We don't have a lot of call-ins because obviously we're in the Lehigh Valley and most people um, just stop by the attic. But I didn't want to. Yeah. I don't think Don would make the trip up from Delaware, nor should he have to. Right, right. Well, we um, want to thank Don for, for, for calling in. And maybe we're going to, you know, we've... we've uh, the technology, we've had a technological discovery. <laughs> where we can, We're just using Skype. Well, it is, Skype. Okay. Most of the time, it's to easier to do new. stuff in, per, in person. We don't do a lot of phone ones, but it will open us up to more. Um, and this is going to be a little bit different in the fact that we're not going to be chiming in as much. This is really Don telling his story. Full and, disclosure, I wasn't here for well, it. He was here for the half. He was stuck on 33. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's a really fascinating story. And it's just interesting to think. The thing that really gets me is he talks about one of the first things. He talks about how he was on freshman campus at Lafayette. He's like, yeah, man, back then it was a big uh, Greek party school. I'm like, I think it still is yeah, right now. And good job. It's just, it's really, it's an interesting story, and to me, it's always interesting to just be able to, like, drive by the place that this happened. was interesting when I was hearing his complete hatred for Lehigh. I'm kidding. I just made that up. I think he does, though. Yeah. But Don, yeah. No, Don did not talk badly about Lehigh, but uh, we'll we'll assume that he hates it. Mm -hmm. They're horrible. No, we're kidding. We love them all. And this is a really interesting, just just listen, you guys, especially people who are familiar with uh, music at that time period, Beatles fans. It's a really cool interview. The Beatles were a very popular band. They were pretty popular. Wait till you hear this stuff. So, again, thank you to Don Daneman for coming on. We'll come back at the end and, and say thanks again. But sit back, relax, and this is a good one. I, I'm really interested. I'm a Moravian College graduate. Okay. Um, I have many friends who went to Lafayette College. Uh, you know, so I was really interested in kind of starting even there in, in why you decided to attend Lafayette. You know, what... I know you're from New York originally, but why did you attend Lafayette to begin with? Why did I go to Lafayette? Okay, I was um, always planning to go into my father's sheet metal business. He had a small manufacturing company that made products of sheet metal, and he uh, suggested, if I wanted to go into the business, that I take industrial engineering. So we looked at, at engineering schools, and um, I also, we, we had the thought um, to take a five-year, two-degree program where you got an engineering degree and a liberal arts degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lafayette turned out to be the only school that offered that five-year program where 
you started out with engineering. So if you thought to not want to go the five years just to keep it to four, you ended up with an engineering degree. The other, any other schools that did that, you started with liberal arts, and then if you changed your mind, you ended up with a liberal arts degree. And I knew I wanted the engineering degree, thinking to go into dad's business, which obviously I didn't do, but that was the thought process. So that's that was the the sort of that last little piece of the puzzle why I went to Lafayette. Okay. And then when you get on campus, I mean, obviously your career path was a little different than planned. Well, totally, yeah. What was, what was well, Lafayette uh, like back then? I mean, you know, I went to, in the late 90s is when I went to college. What was, what was the, the Lafayette or that area like back when you were in school? Well, when I went to Lafayette, uh, I'm going to take a, a step back. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in high school, um, I, I started playing uh, in high school. And um, I I did a little bit with a little bit of band stuff in high school. I don't need to necessarily do, do the details, but um, and I loved rock and roll, and I recorded stuff off the radio and played my rock and roll guitar. And as a senior in high school, and realizing I was now going to be a college man, <laughs> I thought, well, I guess as a college man, I can't be a rock and roller. I have to. I think I should get into jazz, you know, as a more intellectual thing, worthy of a college man. That's what I thought. And so I started listening to jazz, didn't really play it, but maybe a very little bit. Um, And when I got to Lafayette, Lafayette um, at the time, and I'm not sure what it is, if it's quite the same today, Mm -hmm. um, it was a big fraternity school. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it definitely still has those roots, yes. Yeah. And so when when I got there, freshmen, first semester freshmen could have no contact with the fraternities. Hmm. Second semester is when you, you had contacts and you actually rushed and pledged. But first semester, no contact with fraternities. So here I am now, a first semester freshman at Lafayette, with the concept of, oh, yes, jazz, you know, and, um, you know, and taking industrial engineering, my first, you know, um, and I, uh, I walking around the college on party weekends, Lafayette had, they had party weekends, I think it was for a semester, where the fraternities actually had parties where, and they would hire rock bands to come in for their parties. So here I am walking around the campus, not able to participate, but listening to rock music from hired bands coming out of fraternity houses and realizing, wow, I guess it's okay to be a rock and roller. (laughs) You know, you can rock and roll. So that was a wonderful experience to have that happen. And then uh, the, the next thing that happened that was major, actually, it turned out to be major, didn't realize it at the time, um, at a freshman mixer uh, in one of the halls, Mm -hmm. uh, they had a band, and the band played, and during, when the band took a break, a couple of fellow freshmen ran up, grabbed their instruments, I guess by permission, and started playing rock and roll. And I'm standing there with my a, a new friend, you know, that I had recently made, 
um, a, a fellow freshman, and he knew I played guitar because I, I guess we had talked about it. Mm-hmm. And he says, "Oh, Don, you got you got to go play with them. You should go play with them." And, and we ran up to my room, and he helped me grab my guitar and amp, which I had with me, mm-hmm. and bring it down. And walked up. I said, "Hey, can I?" play with you guys. Well, sure. Come on. Let's see what happened. And we had a wonderful, basically, meeting of minds where basically this was the first performance of what ended up to be the circle. <laughs> and that, So you were a freshman at this time. Yeah. Um, you know, what is the reaction you get after playing then? Oh, it was a good, well, it was a great reaction, but more important was a great reaction with the fellow players. Okay. All right, because, okay, so the, the, um, the circle, the original circle was myself, Tom Dawes, mm-hmm. Earl Pickens, and uh, Marty Freed. Now, Marty. All the guys who, who went on stage that day, that night? Well, Marty Free, no, Marty, now, the guys, um, it was me, Tommy Dawes Uh playing guitar, uh, Earl Pickens playing keyboard, and Jim Maiella is the the actual, the first drummer, not of the circle, but we became the Rondells at Lafayette, Um, and basically, that was the first performance of what the Rondells eventually becoming the circle. Now... Uh, what happened was, after a year or two, I'm thinking it might have been at the end of sophomore year, when the Rondells were getting to be a very well-established party band okay. to hire, and Jim Maiella's girlfriend, who did in fact become his wife, and I, 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 I think they're still married, they had a good marriage, she... Basically announced, "Hey, you're not a rock and roller. You're going to be a businessman." Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> and so Jim dropped out, and that's when um, we knew of—we didn't know him well—but we knew of Marty Freed, who was a year behind us, mm-hmm. um, who had the reputation of being a good drummer. Okay. And we we auditioned him, and he was very willing to be auditioned. And it turned out he could drum and sing. So Marty Freed, as of our junior year, uh, became the drummer, and that is that was the circle. And then it's just it's just amazing to me. I mean, I'm sure you, looking back on it, living it, it, doesn't it just seem crazy that like that little instance of hey, let's go do this, that impromptu thing, led to such a a, a lifetime of memories. Oh, life is full of little events. That made other things happen. Absolutely, yeah. And I am, I'm, I am blown away by the events, how they led up to what became the circle and the the whole experience of it, including the including the the current revival. Just all the events that lead up to that. It's amazing. Yeah. So the next, I mean, and you can correct me, of course. I'm just going off of what I read. But then you yeah. guys played a, a a show in the Jer- Jersey Shore, and you were discovered by a friend of Brian Epstein. Yes. Okay. Now that story is as follows. Um, we got to the Jersey Shore um, by uh, being—I won't use the word discovered, although it's probably just as well. So here we are, going back to Lafayette, and this would have been uh, our junior year. So when's that? Like nineteen sixty. 
63 probably would have been. Let me think. Junior year, it would have been spring of junior year, so probably 64. I'm, I'm thinking it was spring of 64. Um, so this is when the Beatles had really hit the United States and everybody was crazy. Well, so the Rondells, which is what we were at the time, we bought some wigs and beetle wigs and there was a, they, a, a twice a year, spring and fall, they had, they call it interfraternity weekend and it was a big party mm-hmm. in the gym and at the party, they, they hired uh, a, like a legit big band and a rock band. So two bands at, at, at this party. The whole school attended. We were the rock band for this. So the big band was Warren Covington and the Tommy Dorsey Orchestra. Okay. And... So and they played and now we come on and we 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 let it be known across, around the campus that we were going to do a Beatles show and we really learned the you know the current big Beatles songs with our wigs and everything and so we got on and we did this Beatles show and the place went wild it was a huge success Warren Covington leader of the Tommy Dorsey orchestra well he was really impressed and he asked us he says you know i wonder if we could do something together where you could be part of the band and then step out and do this rock and roll and well we were open to it we didn't quite understand anyway so we actually i won't go into the details because you know i can you can take hours to go into little details but the bottom line is we tried it and it didn't really work out. We were not that kind of – we weren't those kind of musicians that really would work for that. Um, but we ended up – because we tried it out in – he had a job. The band had a job in Atlantic City at the Steel Pier in the spring. And so we did that with him and separate ways. But there we were in, uh, in Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. Now and before we went back to school, we thought, well, let's see. Earl Earl is not available because he was going to go to medical school and he had an internship for that summer. This is the summer between junior and senior year. Earl, uh, so Earl goes. It, it was uh, going to be an intern, so he was not available. But Tom and Marty and I said, hey, we're in Atlantic City. Let's see if we can get a summer job. As uh, and we'll do it as a trio. And we ended up at a place called the Alibi. It was a bar uh, on South Carolina Avenue, just off the boardwalk in Atlantic City. And we played for the whole summer, and we did really well. The next year, we thought, well, let's do it again. Let's see if we can do it again. And this time, Earl was available. So the four of us played... Pardon? I said the whole team, the whole gang's there this time, yeah. Yeah, whole gang's there. Um, so it's the four of us. We're, we played at the Alibi. We played for 90 straight days all summer, no days off. We played nine to three. In, and plus, matinees from two to uh, – two. it was two to six on weekends. 
on the weekends. And when I say nine, I mean nine to three in the morning we play. <clears throat> and we we call we consider ourselves to be vocal jocks. Meaning we you know, we were able to keep our voices going. You know, we got to we, we really practiced like sucking up to the microphone and pretending to scream and we really were being sort of soft and like that because it's a it's a lot of singing. And anyway, and we did it. So what happened now, here it is, it's coming to be the end of the summer, very end of the summer, and we were essentially ready to, you know, break up, go our separate ways. Anyway, Nat Weiss, a matrimonial lawyer from New York, happened to be in Atlantic City on a fraternity convention from his old school. Uh, I mean, not, you know, as an alumni, you know, he's a, obviously a grown-up. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, he heard us, and he came up to us after he heard us. He says, he introduced himself. My name, is Nat, my name is Nat Weiss. I'm a matrimonial lawyer from New York, and I'm a good friend of Beatle manager Brian Epstein. And... I think you guys are really good. If you give me a call, maybe we can, you know, we're we're going to form a management company here in the States with Brian. And, you know, give me a call. Maybe we can get something happening. So um, we thought, ah, baloney, you know. But meanwhile, I took, I, I took his card. <laughs> so here, anyway, so here, summer is now over. Uh, let's see, Earl is now in medical school. I am back in East Chester, New York, which is a suburb of the city, um, working in my dad's factory and waiting to get into the Coast Guard Reserve, which I had. Oh, yeah, yeah, I had graduated. Um, Tom and Marty, Tom had like six months to go. He had another semester and Marty had a year to go. So they're at Lafayette. I would and we we agreed that I would still go. Uh, I, I would drive out to Lafayette. It wasn't a huge drive, a couple hours. And we still played on weekends the, as a trio again. So we were still kind of, there was still an ongoing band. And I thought at some point, you know, maybe I'll, I'll give Nat a call. And let's see if he's for real or not, you know. So at some point, I... Uh, being, you know, this is in the fall now, gave Nat a call, and he was very, you know, he was very enthusiastic to hear from me. Oh, Don, yeah, hi, how are you? Hey, why don't you come down to such and such a place? He gave me an address in the city, and he says, come on down on this day, and I'll introduce you to Brian. So I'm thinking, really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, um, well, he's the manager. You know, he's the Beatles manager. Everybody knew Brian Epstein. So I took a buddy of mine and we went down. It was uh, an address on the Upper East Side of Manhattan in a walk-up building in the middle of the block, wherever it was. So we go down and uh, we're standing around at this party and we don't know anybody and we're just kind of standing in the corner and Nat is not there. Anyway, little time goes by and finally Nat walks in. And so I go up to him. Oh, Nat, hi. You know, oh, I'm here. Oh, yeah, Don, come on. All right, so he now 
he uh, leads me back downstairs. It was a, we was we were one flight up. Back downstairs, out on the street, there is a limo parked right there on the street, and Nat. Now, in a very sort of it, sort of, I want you to picture a theatrical move as Nat, with his hands, he beckons me into the limo. He opens the door and he beckons me into this limo. So I get in, and. I am now sitting directly across from Beatle manager Brian Epstein. And I was like, <laughs> I'm trying to be cool, you know, but I'm like, oh my you? God. How old are you right so, now? Pardon? How old were you at that moment? Uh, 22. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, we would have been 22. Okay, so. Um, all right, so now. Now this is going to sound like I'm bragging. So just before I before I say what I'm going to say, I need to let you know that as a musician, I'm pretty good. I'm not the best in the world. I'm a, like I'm a reasonable guitar player. I play my rock and roll, and I can you know I can hold my own. But I I am not you know I I am what I am. You know there are many many greater guitar players than I. Anyway. Nat introduces me now. So he, and you know, and I still remember this. It's like a little videotape in my head. Uh, Brian Epstein, I would like you to meet Don Danneman, one of the finest musicians I know. And that's a quote. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, so now I shake Brian's hand, and it's a little, you know, uh, uh, some moderate exchange back and forth like wow we're such Beatle fans and you know we met Nat in Atlantic City and you know it, it would be wonderful if we can get something happening that would be great you know um, so it was a little short exchange Brian was very gentlemanly very pleasant I have nothing but good things to say about Brian Epstein and uh, anyway so just as theatrically as Nat invited me into the limo after the, just a short exchange back and forth. Nat then beckoned me out, you know, he, his, with his hands out, we, you know, well done, we have to go. So, you know, so, so I go out and I'm now standing on the street. And also I'm, I'm picturing this scene. It's kind of like a movie scene where the camera is behind me. So I'm kind of in silhouette. And there's the limo, and you can see the streetlights are lighting the limo. And the limo slowly pulls up the street, fades into the dark, and then fade to black. And that's the scene as I remember it. So now, obviously, this was now a huge deal. Well, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I just met Brian. Well, at you that know, point, like, who is more – there's nobody more – connected or famous at that point in time, you know, when it comes to the music industry, I think you can make an argument for that. That's probably one of the most important people you could have met. Oh, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, so I called the guys at Lafayette, Tom, Tom and Marty, and I basically tell them this. And so we agreed, wow, we have to do something to get Nat Weiss really excited to really you know, make this thing happen. And so what, so what we did is we set up a makeshift recording studio with just our own couple of, you know, I had a tape recorder, Tommy had a tape recorder and we had, you know, mics and a mixer for our performing and, and of course our guitar amps. 
Um, so we set up a makeshift recording studio at in my basement in Eastchester, and we spent some time doing demos of some songs we had written. And I uh, set up to play them for Nat, you know, thinking, well, let's play him this, and maybe that will really get him excited, where we'll really get something going. So, uh, I, I, and funnily enough, I, I really, I get a kick out of this. The appointment that I had to play these songs for Nat in his apartment in the city, he, also, he lived on the Upper East Side also, um, happened to be, now I'm not sure of the date, but I'm, I'm absolutely sure of the event. I think it's this date. See if it means anything to you. November 11th, 1965. You're pushing me. Um, I'm not sure. Okay, well, I will tell you. That was the day of the whole East Coast having a blackout. Oh, okay. And it was a huge big deal. I mean, they thought the Russians were sabotaging the country. I mean, it was this really you know, huge deal. It, and it, it ended up to be a, some, it was some electrical failure that triggered another one and another one, the whole East Coast. That was the, that was the day I had the appointment, which obviously I didn't keep. Um, but I, I, but I did go the following week. Uh, I went to NAF and I uh, went into, got into, up to his apartment. I brought my tape recorder. I brought some wires to connect it to his stereo system. And I also brought a pair of stereo headphones. And so as I'm about to play it for him, um, I, I, you know, as I'm about to connect the wires, I say, hey, Nat, you know what? Why don't you just listen to these? These are stereo headphones. Now, they were new at the time. So hardly anyone had ever heard music played through stereo headphones. And uh, so I, 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 he, he puts on the headphones. I hit play on the... The, the tape recorder, and I can see his face light up when that those first couple of notes came on. And I think it was now. I think, in all fairness, our demos they were good demos. They really they really were good demos. But he also we also had the added impact of him never having heard stereo headphones before. So so basically, I hit a home run with this presentation. So that got him really excited, and he uh, got us uh, jobs. He started getting us uh, some jobs and auditions in the city. And we ended up, I know we played, uh, the the, the one club I I, I remember playing, because we played there for a while, was called the Downtown on Sheraton Square, in the village, I, I'm sure it's not there anymore. I don't know what would be there, and we did well, and um, we we got some record company auditions, and a young producer named John Simon at Columbia was interested in us, and we were I, I believe we were his first project, and so we ended up with a Columbia record contract with producer. John Simon, managed by Beatle manager Brian Epstein with Nat, and there we were. And then, you know, obviously, like even when we, when we were talking about um, your success, you know, and when we talked at the beginning of the phone call, it all started with the, that John Lennon baseball jersey. 
and he named you, or he suggested yeah. a name. So how, like, well, you okay, so here's, here's that story. Yeah. Okay, so here we are now with our new Columbia Record contract and our new management contract with Beatle manager Brian Epstein with Matt Weiss, but we were still the Rondells from Lafayette College, and we, we all agreed we needed a new name. Because uh, that was like a very 50s kind of name, the Rondells. And nobody had really come up with anything. Anyway, so here we are in one of our early recording sessions at Columbia, and Brian comes up to me, and uh, he uh, says, Don, here, take a look at this. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit of a British accent in doing Brian. It's not, you know, he was very gentlemanly. He was very, very gentlemanly uh, when he spoke, and he was trying to be like Brian here. Uh, he said, Don, take a look at the card, at, at this card here. Take a look. He hands me what looks like his business card, and I see it is a business card. It says Brian Epstein on it. Um, and he said, oh, no, 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 T- turn it over. I turned the card over, and there on the other side was it was scribbled, handwriting scribbled, uh, Sir... I'm trying to read it. I'm sorry, Brian. I I don't understand. Oh, Don, this is your new name. And as you see, it is the circle, and it has the funny spelling. And, you know, when I was back in Britain, I asked the boys. The Beatles were were lovingly referred to as the boys whenever he talked about them. I asked the boys, so we have a new American group and we're looking for a, a cute name. Does anyone have any ideas? And it was, in fact, John that came up with the name The Circle with the funny spelling. And as you you know how John minds work, he has a very interesting mind, and here it is, here's your new name. So the cool thing about it is that and I tell this when we do our shows, I, I talk about this. We were named by John Lennon. <laughs> how cool is that? And we always get an applause for that. The sad thing is that that card ended up in the trash the next day because I just didn't keep it. I'm so bummed that I didn't. Especially when you're like in your early twenties, you're not thinking that way. No, we were very bad on, on, you know, keeping, you know, memorabilia stuff. Really not good at, at it. Anyway, so there we were. That's how we, that's how we got our name. And it was, was the circle, it did, did it come from Easton Circle, or did he just kind of take that out of thin No, 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 no. It had absolutely nothing to do with Easton, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we'll just pretend that it did. <laughs> They'll hear the two Well, you can pretend wherever you want. I only found this out recently, actually. That um, I forget which album it may have been Rubber Soul, but there was there was something in the Beatle catalog that required a name, and there was a name circle. I'm not sure how the spelling was that was talked about in naming. I think maybe naming one of the Beatles albums, and maybe that's where the thought came from so I, I i can tell you that much i can't give you the details what about your like with your time i know it's funny because i put this on facebook i know you're not on facebook but i shared it with my friends and one okay. of my friends said can you ask him because in the 1960s my mom watched the circle open up for the beatles at shea stadium 
Yeah. Yeah. So she was at one of one of my friends on Facebook was at one of your concerts in the sixties in Shay. I mean, how did like you obviously met the Beatles and spent time with them? How was that period of time from when you went from being named to you know you had the number two hit with Red Rubber Ball and you're touring with the biggest band of all time? Yeah, well, it was ama- well, uh, obviously it was amazing and basically the way that worked out is um Red Rubber Ball was recorded and I went Pardon? Did Paul Simon write some of that? Paul Simon with Bruce Woodley of the Seekers wrote Red Rubber Ball. And we heard it on a demo. It was found by bandmate Tommy Dawes, who was hanging around in the village with a fellow named Barry Kornfeld, who had a publishing company with Paul Simon at the time. And, and that's where we heard it. And he brought it to us, and everybody thought, oh, that's cute. Let's, uh, yeah, let's try that. Let's, you know, we were looking for m- material to record. So Red Rubber Ball was recorded. Red Rubber Ball was slowly working its way up the charts. And I w- went into the Coast Guard Reserve. I believe it was uh, end of somewhere mid end of February in '66. So, um, and actually during that time, because uh, Marty was actually still in school, and Tommy played bass on the road during that time with Simon and Garfunkel. So. Anyway, so here we are. So, um, so the first thing that happens is the Coast Guard was really nice to me. Thank you, Coast Guard. They gave me a pass to leave boot camp for a couple of days and do the Hullabaloo show. That if you look at us on YouTube, that's the thing that usually appears. It's the three of us, Tom, Marty, and I, on Hullabaloo. Pardon? Is that the television show? Yeah, Hullabaloo, the television show. Yeah, and we're doing Red Rubber Ball, and that was like that was one of the big uh, events of Red Rubber Ball that got it noticed and you know helped it to be a hit. So anyway, I was in the Coast Guard Reserve now. So I was uh, back in boot camp, and um, I went from boot camp to. Staten Island, where I was on a buoy tender. And now I had a six-month active duty. Now, while I was on the buoy tender, I was able to get off most weekends, and we played, actually. But when we found out that we um, had been offered to be on the Beatles tour, um, we realized that the timing worked out that if I had to fulfill my six-month active duty commitment, I was going to miss the tour, and they were looking to replace me. To, you know, I wasn't going to. Yeah, I wasn't going to be on. And then, for some wonderful reason, I that I don't know why, but the United States government. They must have looked at it and they said, you know, we got to get done on this Beatles tour. So I think we need to change some rules here. So the United States government, in order to accommodate my time frame, changed the rules from six months to five months. That seems 
really unlikely. <laughs> like, that's crazy. I mean, can you believe that? Now, of course, I'm kidding when I say the government changed it for me. <laughs> you know, obviously, I'm kidding. But that was just one of those amazing things. And I, I refer to it. Um, I think of Andy Warhol's 15 Minutes of Fame. You've heard that. You've, you've heard that. Okay, so we were. Uh, I look at it like we were in the 15 Minutes of Fame period where basically everything goes right you know so here it was you know the government changed the rule and i got on the beatles tour and so and that for me was a huge change in in the history of my life to uh, have been able to get out and do and go on the beatles tour and how was that i mean i'm sure that's a whirlwind but you know you spent some time with them how was that was that well, on one hand, you know, there's there's the there's the idea of you meet someone, and oh my God, the biggest music stars of the world, you know, at, at today, and we're getting to see them play and meet them and hang out a little bit. And on the other hand, you know, I mean, I'm I'm just thinking, sitting around playing penny ante poker with Paul and Ringo. You know, and all it was was a couple of guys playing cards. Sure, yeah, you're on. You got to yeah. pass the time you're yeah. on tour. I mean, um, I, I think a lot of people think of like a tour like that as just crazy all the time. When I would imagine for you, there's a lot of downtime or just being tired. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's you know, yeah. yeah the, being on the road, even on a like glamorous tour, is uh, it, it, you know, part of it is really cool, and part of it is like, eh, you know. <laughs> You know, you still got to go to bed at night. You know, you still got to get up in the morning and have breakfast and get on the bus to the plane to wherever we were going. Do you have like any, um, are there any anecdotes or any like specific memories of any of the, of that time or interactions with the Beatles that, that definitely comes to mind or a fun story you like to tell? Well, I know one thing is uh, when we got to meet them at first, you know, the, um, we, we actually had met Paul on the plane really quickly. Um, and I tell that story, you know, there's a, there's a little story to it, but I, I tell that in, in our show, I talk about meeting Paul on the plane for the first time. But um, when we met the group, um, as a group, we were, it wasn't until I think the third concert where, of course, we, other than meeting Paul, we hadn't met him and we had seen them play, of course, but we hadn't met him. So we were invited backstage to their dressing room before I believe it was the third concert and one of the comments that I I do get a kick out of is um, Paul made a comment about um, uh, uh, wait a minute, I'm blanking out now so of course you'll edit this out but let me just think for a minute I'm happy to yeah we recorded on the Red Rubber Ball album we recorded a version of George's song I'm happy just to dance with you and there, it was a, actually a very intellectually sophisticated version that we did. It changed keys all over the place. And Paul made a comment about, wow, you guys are big key changers, you know? Like, what did you do to this song? That was, it was, that was sort of humorous. And John, you know, also at this first, first meeting, he would look at us. He, he looked and over and he goes, well, guys, have you learned to spell yet? You know, we got a kid, you know, just talking about the circle thing. Um, but I ended up actually in that meeting, I ended up uh, 
you know, you sort of go across, you know, you shake hands with everybody. I ended up with George having a lovely conversation with George, who is a wonderful, warm person. Um, and, you know, and so, you know, so Don Dannerman of the circle meet, meet George, George Harrison. And, you know, after that initial, like, you know, who are, you know, that sort of thing, we, the initial shake hands, we actually got into a lovely conversation of who are you, you know? And, you know, and so from his viewpoint, I mean, he would tell me about how blown away he was and in a very warm, soft way, you know, like, I mean, I was this kid from Liverpool and all of a sudden we got to be this huge band. I'm, you know, it's amazing how, how that happened. And then he wished us good luck and, you know, congratulations on your new success and good luck with you and that. And I was able to tell him a little bit about my history and, you know, we, we went back and forth. And the funny end to this one was, though, so I'm now, uh, uh, I was at a point where it was so comfortable, you know, just chit-chat, 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 two guys just chit-chatting. And I thought, you know, I'm, in, I'm just wonder what does he think? I asked him, I said, well, you know, what do you think about marijuana? You know, how, how, how do you guys think about that? And he actually, he was about to answer. And our road manager, young guy, who was standing right behind me out of the blue, he kind of leans over my shoulder and he actually kind of interrupted. He says, Hey George, what guitar did you use on? And I love her, you know, one of their great, you know, songs. And that's where the whole mood went from a wonderful conversation between two guys to silly fans asking silly questions. You know, you could see his face just sort of went, uh, uh, uh. and he actually was about to try to answer it. And, and, um, although it was, it was like, he tried to look up like, hmm, what guitar did I use? You know, cause I think it's, it's almost like when you're a really major fan, sometimes you know more about them than they know about themselves. You know I mean? I, I don't think he, I don't think he remembered what guitar he used, right? At least at that moment. Anyway. And right then they they announced to us, well, guys, you got to get ready to go on stage, so we have to end this meeting. And that was that was that we uh, you know we left. But the the memory of that conversation with George is just a wonderful, warm memory of a really sweet guy. And that's so amazing. And I mean, you guys continued on. You, you did have some some more success. I know you you released what at least another album, and then. Um, you kind of eventually then then went on into the working the working world i know tom tom dawes wrote the um the alka seltzer song yeah he wrote plop plop yeah, yeah, yeah we do amazing. well basically uh, essentially the group we we um we actually had six top 100 charted records now red rubber ball and turn down day were the main ones but there were actually four more that made the top 100s and of course they're not they're not remembered so much today but they were they, but they were there um we did have another album on columbia and then we also did the music for a movie called the minx and that uh that's an album um, it, it, I, my understanding on the Minx, it, not, it never sold very much, but it is kind of a cult favorite I've heard. Well, it's funny because um, when, I, when I'm, I was doing a little bit of research on you, you know, when you put in your name, you come up on the Minx, you know, as, con- producers, 
is doing the music for it. So you have a listing on that. It's interesting. Yeah, Tommy and I wrote the music, and we yeah we did it. Um, but anyway, as the group was breaking up, um, because essentially, you we got better in the studio. We got more professional, more acquainted with all the techniques and music and all that sort of stuff. But somehow or other, we could never reproduce the magic of Red Rubber Ball and Turn Down Day. Um, and so. Uh, essentially, we thought, well, we got let's just break up and go our separate ways. And as we were doing that, Tommy thought to start a commercial music company and started doing commercials. And I think the the idea, and, and I followed. I thought that's a good idea. I think I'd like to do that too. And we both had very successful commercial music careers where we. Did we each had our own separate companies, and we recorded music for commercials, working for ad agencies in New York, and audio did audio work too. I mean, I know we did a lot of voiceover recordings and that sort of stuff in in our studio. So we had very lovely careers, actually. Yeah, it was very nice. Do you? Well, you know, we could kind of talk about both of this at the same time. I know that you had a reunion in recent years. Can you talk about kind of how that came about and what that's how that is? Well, the revival, yeah, and actually, I, I, uh, we got to end this fairly soon. I have sure. to go, but I can give you a little more. So, anyway, so the the uh, so I was basically retired from uh, the commercial career, and Tommy was retired too. And we actually had thought to the two of us to get together and try and make a band, and and um, unfortunately, he passed on before we ever did that. He died in two thousand and seven. It was really very sad. Um, anyway, so here I am. I am retired uh, at the. Uh, I'm uh, retired. I'm uh, living in Delaware now, where we moved to be near kids and grandkids. And uh, I have a studio in my basement, and I record stuff here and there just for fun. And I actually played a little bit with a friend who is uh, a lawyer and '60s music nut who plays. Um, uh, and he's actually, he's quite good, plays at little restaurants. And every once in a while, I would join him just for fun, and we would play. Um, but anyway, I got a call one day from Mike Loeskamp, who is the keyboard player who replaced Earl, uh, and joined us in the fall of 66. And I hadn't seen him basically since we broke up in 68, so it's like almost 50 years I hadn't seen him. But he, um, when the group broke up, he he never stopped playing music. And even though he had a full-time job, he lives in Columbus, Ohio, uh, he, he had a full-time job with AT&T and is now retired from that, but never stopped playing in bands. And... A, a band, a current band that he is in, it was called the Gas Pump Jockeys, and it still is the Gas Pump Jockeys, actually. Um, there is a one of the guys in the band, Pat McLaughlin. I call him the go-getter of the band. And he, realizing, hey, Mike Loeskamp was in the circle. Why can't we be the circle? Um, why can't we, you know, I mean, most of the bands of our era they might have one or two original guys, but you know, it's uh, you know, they're, they're other musicians, and some of them are on, and there's no originals, you know. So, an agent 
friend of his told him, well, why don't you get one of the other originals and we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can book you as the circle. So they reached out to me and uh, I thought, okay, you know, let me, I, I, I think this would be worth taking a shot. It might be, that might be fun to do. So the, they're in Columbus, Ohio, and I, uh, they flew me out very graciously. They flew me out. I got to meet the band. Great band, great people. And really, the band, the wives, it's a real family feeling with this band. And so when we started playing, you know, let's well, let's practice. And the, our guitar player, uh, Don White, has a, um, a basement studio where we rehearse. And so we did this, and it worked out really well. So bottom line is, here we are with a circle revival. And... And, um, you know, we're now playing all over the country and we're having a great time. And I know you said you aren't on Facebook, but I know the circle is being handled on Facebook. So we will we'll direct people to, to check that out if they want to learn more about what you're doing now. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Go, Go to the circle on Facebook and there's also the circle dot com is a we- is our website. And so I know you said you had to go. So I just want to yeah. I want to thank you for your time and doing this so quickly. All right, George, it was great to talk to you and um, you know, thank you for reaching out to the circle. Interesting. Interesting stuff there. That's crazy. It and is I, crazy. What the only bad thing about this interview is that we're going to have to follow it up. Yeah, I know. So we kick it off with Don Daneman. I wonder if they're going to be doing interview. Who is the band today's band that will be like you know what's interesting i read this article on breaking benjamin and who's going to be they're at ppl tonight but they they this article is the biggest band you have no idea who they are i mean obviously we do but they were saying they were giving the uh, record numbers compared to what like some of the bigger bands are selling right now and they're outselling them mm-hmm. and just they're not mainstream they're opening up for corn tonight at the ppl center and they're from like kingston or somewhere kingston what um, like Wilkes-Barre. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, because right. I saw that. I, I told this before, but I saw them when they were a crappy band in not crappy band, but like a small band yeah. in 1999 Where? or 2000 at Crock Rock. They opened up for this other small band, and I remember them, and they're like they're really good. They did a cover of like Black Sabbath, War Pigs. Yeah, and we're like holy crap. And then they said they were from Wilkes-Barre, and we talked to them after a show. Nice. And now they're famous. And now they're, yeah. Maybe you, had, maybe you had something to do with it. Do you, but my question is, what is the band of today that in, well, how, in the 60s, like what? So 65, so, so 50 years ago. 50 years ago, what is today's Beatles that we're going to be, people are going to be talking about? You know, like, oh my God, I met, the like, I opened up for... Who's that band? It is interesting though when you think about like all the big touring bands. Yeah. There are bands from like like who does the biggest tours? Even the oldest who's the newest band that does the biggest tours? The oldest band like, that pop does the band. Biggest. There's there's all these pop bands like Twenty One Pilots. Yeah, but they nobody's suck. gonna give a shit about them. No one no, they're horrible. Like what's yeah. the real band that actually makes good music? I don't know. Counting Crows. They but they like they haven't done anything. I know. In No, oh, you know it's sad. They were at this Golf tournament. They did like a show at the golf tournament. You know what though? I don't feel bad for those guys. They're happy as shit. Yeah, I they're guess. making. Mo- they're happy. Wouldn't you? I bet getting famous is boring after a while. Oh yeah, I could definitely. Uh, I definitely. <laughs> it, uh, as somebody that's wildly famous, <laughs> it sucks, man. So that was really neat. Like I was so pumped to 
Yeah, that was uh, cool. Be able what to I heard of it. I can't wait to listen to it. This is the first episode where I need to listen to. <laughs> you got half of it. I got half of you it. So, long story short, uh, we, we're going to have some notes in this podcast. Check out our Patreon. We're going to be putting up new um, stuff only for Patreon members, some video stuff, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, we may start taping some of our, uh, recording some of our um, podcasts live and putting those up there for when we have guests who aren't, you know, yeah. Me in my pajamas. <laughs> um, and yeah, so thank you guys again yep. for tuning in. We're back. We're back at it. Lots of fun stuff coming your way. And be sure to get in touch with us if you either want to be on the show, uh, would like to learn more about our television show, um, or to maybe date Tyler. That, oh, my want. goodness. Oh, wow. That could work. So, okay. Are you good, Tyler? You, I'm good. You good? I'm good, guys. Right. Thanks for, thanks, for, uh, <laughs> thanks for being here. Thanks for being here.